We are gonna yes. we are gonna crush this lady. We are gonna crush I this lady. Don't fucking don't fucking gender the podcast, David. Oh uh, no. I'm sick of you. I'm, I'm sick of you fucking gendering the podcast. <laughs> I am quote during this trying time. I'm quoting the 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 eBay story, guys. I wanna jump right into it. I wanna jump right into it because yes. it's so good. It is so, so good. Um so bait. The eBay, the CEOs, the former CEOs of eBay basically got into the scare campaign uh, about this, like, journalist who was trying to... Sorry, how are you guys? What's going on? What? Sorry. How are you guys? What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, I'm fine. I'm totally, I'm totally good. Um, I'm very curious what you're about to say, but all I have to say is... Um, the only thing I know about the former CEO of eBay is that I believe she's a, a lady. Mm. I can't remember her name. Mm -hmm. Am I right about that? Devin Wenig. Devin. No, maybe it's the founder. Maybe I, all I know is that either the founder or the CEO of eBay is like a fucking dipshit, like a real piece of shit lady um, from the 90s who uh, didn't capitulate to Amazon. Uh, this is just from previous uh, research I've done on Amazon because they mm. like butted heads. Big oh, yeah. time in the oh, early two yeah. thousands. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabe, how you doing? Mm, I've never bought anything off eBay. I don't know. I don't know about eBay, but I'll tell you what. You've... I'm curious now. What? I bought. My you got Zoom that Zoom. EBay. Your Zoom is an eBay product. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You've never, Gabe. You've never bought anything off of eBay. Absolutely not. Why? What? I go. I walk on Why? the. I walk on the streets. I like to go to brick and mortars. <laughs> I'm a I'm look, a brick and mortar oh boy. <laughs> look, every, like nobody nobody's the, the people the people we love we all love a brick and mortar, but you know sometimes you need that very specific like you know uh, nut or bolt that's an, a size that only China sells or whatever. You've never needed a specialty item or something like that. Never, never. I I reach out on Facebook to friends. Gabe, have you ever needed anything sure. special in your life? <laughs> yeah. I could use a Tres Leches from uh, Bahia, <laughs> yeah. the Salvadorian restaurant in Williamsburg, uh, within my um, within my delivery radius. Uh, I'll tell yeah. you what. I just bid for one of those for $1.50 on eBay. So um, That's the thing. Good. I never yeah. understood the bidding, the bidding wars that you guys go through. There's not uh, a set price and you pay for something. You got to... You could get outbid. Yeah, you gotta go. Well, sometimes Dude, bid you it. Can. bidding. Well, it's not. That's the thing. eBay isn't even about that now. It's all about the buy it now button. Like they're as much mm -hmm. of a just regular store as much mm -hmm. as they were an auctioning website. You know, you can just like buy it now. Regular things. The things where there's auctions are like a fucking weird antique sewing machine or like a fucking poster yeah. for Grateful Dead from 1967. Or like Those uh, are auctions. Castle Grayskull from He-Man, just the front part of it to put on my wall. What I, yeah. what I yeah. want is like Sky Mall products from 2004. Mm -hmm. And that's why I go on eBay is to get like a, do like a dog staircase that's shaped like a garden gnome. Like I want a cool a uh. wine tree made out of rebar that looks like a uh, a French uh, sort of bistro chef 
Yeah, yeah. I want with that. a curly mustache. Yeah, I want that. I want a focaccia maker that only makes focaccia. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there. I mean, that's not even. That's not an eBay. That's fucking. That's fucking garage sale one dollar right there like that's something you're either paying a hundred dollars for or one dollar <laughs> so what's going on with all right with ebay right now why are we talking about this company that you two seem to love and are trying to get me to buy into look look i don't like it you that should, much man it's I'm, great, I'm, I'm, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like i bought like three things on it total but like I did it. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not some Puritan about it. Uh, so basically, what happened was um, CEO. So basically, there's this story that was published, I think, last year, uh, August first. Called. Uh, don't no. It wasn't. Last, I don't know. Uh, eBay Rico lawsuit meant to curb seller exodus to Amazon, and the indictment quotes from the story: Executive One has been unable to stop a decline in market sales. But trying to dissuade sellers from turning to Amazon and trying to get Amazon to stop recruiting sellers may not be the best tactic. That was the that's the article. So it's like kind of a diss against eBay. But is how severe is that really? Like it, it's just kind of stating the facts and kind of offering a mild prescription of like, hey, don't be so harsh. And eBay responded beautifully just just gorgeously there was um that there were in there were email communications and they tried to basically threaten this woman who wrote this article and what they said in the email that the prosecutors found was they said we are going to crush this lady an employee described <laughs> in for writing this article. So it's like, hi, okay, Amazon and eBay are struggling. You know, like that was the, like, we're going to crush her. Um, and to one of the executives who is the former CEO, Wenig. Um, and the, some of the things that they did are so cool. I love it. Um, they, uh, the alleged harassment sent pornographic magazines to the victim's neighbors in packages that, that implicated the newsletter uh, that they were involved, that, that she wrote this thing in. Um, in meeting, uh, let's see, so in one meeting, the FBI said he showed a photo of what he called a Samoan gang and claimed he would send the gang to the publisher's home if the harassment didn't <laughs> silence the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you put oh, wait, okay, Samoan okay. gang in uh, quotations. Like, what? Where did he even get this photo? It just sounds like maybe he got a CD cover from the Booyah tribe, like uh, like uh, Woo, old nineties hip <laughs> old nineties hip hop reference. Let me that that, that deep pull. <laughs> Dude, he just he, uh, he just got like um, a picture of the Rock from the most recent Jumanji film. And he's like, this is a Samoan <laughs> gang. <It's> a <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, okay, okay. Just so I can wrap my head around this a little bit, because I I've been I was looking at a couple other things before this. eBay, okay, a lady writes something about eBay that's also about Amazon. Right. So it's kind of about them both. Amazon just says, whatever, this person's writing about it. And eBay 
threatens a smear campaign, <laughs> a full-on smear campaign to take this of, of this one shirt. It wasn't even a smear campaign. Yeah, yeah. It was like they are going to like scare the shit Threatening. out of her. And like they yeah, yeah, they yeah. um they tried to put go into her home in Boston in the Boston suburbs to put a GPS device on their car, but it was locked in the garage, so they couldn't get away what? with it. What? Yeah, they tried to, and then they monitor they monitored local police radio communications during the attempt. Um, it's just. It's cool shit. This is boss shit. This is what we need in the white collar cops. <laughs> we need uh, cool. I like that. I like the idea that maybe um, headhunters for corporations, as part of their uh, uh, covert ops departments, go and they recruit high school pranksters. You gotta get <laughs> you gotta get the pranksters young and bring them on board. Like you know, in Catch Me If You Can, they got that guy who was bouncing all the checks. The FBI hired him. Frank oh yeah, 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 yeah. They they hire him to to uh to catch the other the other crooks. You you get these pranksters. Pranksters. This is, I mean, it, I mean, uh, honestly, this just sounds like this sounds like eBay just picked up somebody some, like somebody from the CIA. You know, like like they 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 um they left the CIA and were were picked up by eBay. <laughs> and then so these are like hella nefarious. The people were like private security guards, I think, that worked for eBay. Um, but this is the best part. They allegedly sent live cockroaches and a funeral wreath to the Massachusetts couple that published the news. Oh my god. They also <laughs> they also sent them a bloody pig Halloween mask and a book on surviving the death of a spouse. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's uh, <laughs> th- these are all nightmares that somebody yeah. has. Yeah. They have a guy on their payroll with a nightmare journal, and every day he wakes <laughs> up from his terrors in a cold sweat and writes down what happened in his dream. And they're like, thank you, Johnson. And they take that and use it to send funeral wreaths with cockroaches in them to people on holidays. Yeah, dude, that's, that's, that's like terrifying. psychological so warfare. Scary. Yeah, dude, it's absolutely. So scary. Inter- wait, wait, wait. So eBay itself, they're, 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 they're definitely going to try to pin this on like some fucking psycho that they hired, right? Like they, as, yeah. a, as a company, are they going to try to, are they taking entire liability? Or is no. it just, are they just going to be like, no, 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 no. John... John the the mail clerk got a little too big for his britches one day and started going psycho on people. Are they gonna tr- are they immediately trying to like push it off? Yeah, they absolutely tried to put it on two security executives, um, and four of their let's see, yeah, there's um this guy named Haw James Baugh and David Harville, um, and I mean the the CEO denied all knowledge of the situation but you know that they knew you have like if you're the c if you someone writes an article that's like i mean i'm being very generous here and saying that it's insulting to your company and you want to fight back like you're not just going to have the rogue security guards leading the attack you're going to talk to the ceo the c only a ceo is petty enough to do something like this that's right yeah that that's 
Yeah, I, I mean, I was mentioning it earlier. This is like a long. I mean, this is this is eBay's modus operandi because them and Amazon are the two big online sellers. And when I say it's them and Amazon, I mean it's mostly Amazon. Yeah. So anytime eBay gets threatened, they have to. They can't. They have to. They're like they're just getting into prison. Like they gotta fucking knock out the biggest dude <laughs> in the in the room first, just to show that they're not a a little punk baby, you know. Um, like Amazon, they can take losses. They they've done that for years and years and years, where they just do not make a profit, but just take over market share. But eBay, they're they're part of the pie. It's getting smaller and smaller. So anytime somebody threatens them, oh, yeah. they have to cut their throat. They have to cut their throat out oh, with yeah. a wreath and, <laughs> and cock- cockroaches. Apparently, the, the number two is the dirtiest. The, the because they're fighting to be number one. The number one can afford to be generous. The number one can afford. Yes. You know, the number one can afford yeah. to not deliver live cockroaches to someone's house. Number two's hungry, baby. Mm-hmm. Num- mm-hmm. Number two is is leaving bodies in the vacants. <laughs> <laughs> the first loser. Dude, uh, yeah, that's absolute. That's absolutely insane, and I would love to see how that develops over the next couple of weeks. It made my day. Um, it's the funniest. It's just good. It's just good, clean fun. Um, oh, this is a funny uh, quote. Um, the U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts, Andrew Lelling, said at a news conference, "We have not seen something like this before." <laughs> <laughs> He's just. Uh, I'm. A little bit confused, guys. Uh, <laughs> is this a crime novel? What's going on? <laughs> it just, yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like burn after reading a little bit, right? Like a little, some of the characters. <laughs> um, Dude, that's the fucking, that's like the official movie of this fucking podcast. You love burn after reading. I do. And I have to tell you, it is my least favorite Coen Brothers movie. Really? It, because you, rem- you, you, you see yourself in Brad Pitt and he gets killed? No, it's too stressful. Oh. It's fucking. I hate that. I hate that shit. After hours, burn after reading. That shit is. Str- I, but not like uh, un- 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 uncut or what is yeah, it? Uncut gems? gems. Yeah, I was gonna say uncut gems. I love that. Yeah, what? Why that, that? That's not. That's not stressful to me. What? Because it's fun, dude. Wow. That's not. St- I'm. I get it, but like, dude, burn after reading. That shit was too stressful. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's just um. The main actor in it, what's his name? Who's bald? John Malkovich. Oh yeah, that guy has real. He has real stress vibes. It sounds like you hate a comedy of errors because that's what Burn Mm -hmm. After Reading feels like to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think you're just wired to Mm -hmm. uh, really enjoy uh, very tense dramas Mm -hmm. and to uh, (laughs) sweat bullets. When you're watching uh, comedies, dude. I, I mean, I love a couple things. I love somebody falling on a skateboard. <laughs> uh, I love, I love somebody uh, falling down a set of stairs in a funny way. Uh, that's that's cool to me. I love that shit. You know, uh, uh, some yeah. I like the Jackass movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this says about me. Is right. that the only yeah. comedy that you like? Uh, nothing subtle. No, no, a lot of gross comedies. motor skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, painting a, a, a mountain around your butt and then shitting out of it. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. Were you a Looney Tunes yeah. fan? Did you like, uh, like, did you did you like the Roadrunner and stuff? Uh, actually, I hated the Roadrunner. I liked the Coyote, the Wiley Coyote, because he he tried so he tried so hard, Yo. but he never got the Roadrunner. Respect. He was such a he was such an unappreciated protagonist. 
he is an existential hero, kind of like uh, Sartre's, wait, no, Camus' Sisyphus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pushing that boulder I, up I, the I, hill, and <laughs> he's never going to catch that roadrunner, yet it's in striving to do it that we find our humanity. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's about the journey. Uh, <laughs> That's so true. Um, yes. I feel like I find my most humanity when I've, like, ran, like, 30 feet off of a cliff and I'm still in midair. And I don't really <laughs> notice my lack of humanity until I look down and realize that I've been floating on nothing the whole time. And that, that ended up being accidentally very deep, guys. <laughs> and, I, and I think you just yes. described late stage capitalism. <laughs> uh, and that, folks, yes. is how the Federal Reserve works. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, here we are. Well, what else is on the docket today? We've talked about um, fun with eBay. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I know that you guys uh, have been doing some reading. Uh, well, what, <laughs> it's true. Uh, I was reading The End of Policing by Alex Vitelli. And, hey. uh, and I know, and Dan, Danny, we were talking a little bit earlier, but he got this this pamphlet, right? Yes. Which is... Oh, it's not even a pamphlet. It's a, it's a book. That's Ooh! Like real book. Wow! Fancy. Um, lovely. It, it's a lovely. Um, how would you say? Uh, it partners well with the end of policing. Also, by Verso, it is police a field guide, and it's a wonderful book on um, some of the. I don't know. It gets into specifics, but it's very much built like an index where instead of the chapters being like, we're talking about one subject each, it's like you could see the table of contents. It just goes on little topics, dedicates like three pages to each of them and just talks about it. And it very much is like a field guide, you know? What's cool is like I threw out uh, a term and you hopped on it right away. Uh, I threw out what a asset forfeiture. And yes, civil <laughs> asset forfeiture, baby. Yeah, civil asset yeah. forfeiture, which I think oh, would just yeah. be like a good when we think about the cops and how corrupt they are. Let's just think about that as a concept. And Danny, mm -hmm. the field guide uh, gives us that just by throwing that word out or that term, you were able to find it right away, right? Yes, I was able to find it. And it actually <laughs> this this book is actually very interesting because. When I thought of civil acts of forfeiture, the first thing that I thought of was actually Los Angeles and like the large um, homeless population and that is there. And that very often when the LAPD comes in and sort of like raids homeless camps, what they'll do is uh, they'll kick everybody out and then they'll take all their shit and just throw it in a dumpster. Uh, Which is also you know? a crime because yeah. you're yes. not supposed to take people's private property and destroy it. They're, they're supposed to uh, hold it for them. Right. Yeah. 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 And that. See, when when I thought of civil asset forfeiture, that's what I thought. This book goes into some very very interesting concepts where they basically liken asset forfeiture back to the eugenics movement. Uh, wow. Whoa. That's a leap I wasn't considering. Whoa. It is, dude. It's 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 crazy. Actually, I can I can. I mean, for say me, it. for me personally, uh, as someone who identifies with the eugenics movement. It was an easy leap because every <laughs> because everything is an easy leap because it's my defining ethos. 
Anyways, Danny, what were you saying? <laughs> uh, dude, ch check, check this out. It makes this leap, which is great. It says, there is, however, a longer history and deeper logic at work and one that reveals the constitutive role of policing in the fabrication of racialized and propriated order. Throughout the early 20th century, the broad acceptance of eugenics in the United States influenced the way rights, including the right to own property, began regulated by the state. And they basically go on to say from there that, like, people think, you know, you know, eugenics was just sort of a crackpot uh, pseudoscience. But what it really gets into is that when you have uh, a system that used to believe in eugenics, which inherently believes that some people are just worse than others, mm -hmm. what happens is that whole system gets translated into the criminal justice system where it's like this is an undesired class therefore anything they have anything they've had or owned doesn't matter it just you can just very much like the sort of wrong definition that i gave before where i thought of a homeless person getting their stuff taken away uh it's it's like it doesn't matter what constitutes this person or whatever they have just they are undesirable, ergo, it doesn't matter. Anything associated with them is, like, tainted. What it it's reminds, very interesting. What it reminds me of, or at least the way you're describing it, is, like, the forced sterilizations that happened a bunch in the early 20th century of black women yeah. um, and of all sorts of poor folks and the mentally ill. It's still legal, I think, in certain countries. And, certain po countries and, and Puerto Rican women as well. Really? Yes. So in, in uh, Puerto Rico or uh, in Puerto Rico, and I, I assume also in New York State, but I have to look that up before I say anything more reckless. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, you got this. There's some great stuff here too. Uh, the common practice of asset forfeiture suggests that eugenics remains a guiding logic of police power and a potent source of legal order in the U.S. criminal system. Consider that in the United States, nearly one in every 2,000 people is sentenced to life in prison without the chance of parole. And black people constitute nearly 60% of all sentenced to life in jail. That number reaches greater than 70% in federal prisons. And again, it's following a eugenics logic where it's just sort of like, look, if we all know that we've all heard the statistics, like the one I just said, where it's just like, if you are preventing a person, from ever leaving this very limited prison state, you you deny them the right to, uh, you know, to have family, to exist in the future in some way, uh, and it's uh, it's crazy. It's really it 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 goes way beyond just taking somebody's stuff. It's taking their livelihood, their future. You know. Well, uh, this goes uh, in New York State. We're all in New York right now, and a lot of mm. people like to think of the North as a very progressive place, but. Uh, in New Amsterdam, with the the mm. founding of New of New Amsterdam with the Dutch, they brought thirty slaves enslaved people over with them to help clear the land. And then, when the British took over in uh, sixteen sixty five, when they hey. took over and created New York City, hey. uh, they started reinstating laws, or rather, in, instating laws that uh, did not allow the uh, African peoples mulattoes or Indians, Native Americans, to uh, pass down wealth. 
So up to yeah. that point, yeah. the Dutch had at least let um, enslaved peoples buy their freedom or uh, handle money and have possessions. And after that, it was the, the British that kind of dictated that only a certain racial group of people, uh, British whites, could actually own property. Yes. Does anyone else feel like the Dutch? Yep. Like, why are the Dutch cool? Like, <laughs> they're only yeah, they're only cool by degree. <laughs> they're only yeah, cool. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, of course, of course. Or by, the, or by, it's not like or racist by Santa Claus or whatever. But like, why are they? Why are in, they kind of yeah. cool? I don't get it. In in Star Dude. Wars, they would be Jabba, just because the British are such <laughs> the empire. Dude, <laughs> Dude, that's that's the. I can't even remember the context in which I was reading this, but that's the crazy thing about the role and exchange of of like uh power and wealth in capitalism is that it jumps from like society to society to society and at one point in time the dutch were popping baby the dutch they had it all like, you know the, the dutch were cool but like it, all of their neighbors were were like absolute like war criminals like belgium the probably like you can make real arguments that they were the war most genocidal maniacs that ever walked the earth in the Congo. Just horrible, horrible monsters. <laughs> and they're th 30 miles from Holland. What the fuck? I don't know. It's just confusing. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, what is so weird? What is so horrible about Brussels and Antwerp that it makes them take out their aggression in such an evil way <laughs> compared well, to Amsterdam? Uh, you know what? Uh, the the bicycle was uh, exploded in popularity, <laughs> yep. and around the time that the uh, Belgium were in the Congo, and the Congo was full of rubber trees, and it, it was the no. the popularity of bicycles <laughs> and bicycle tires that created the demand for uh, no. rubber. <laughs> you're no, so okay, no. <laughs> you're, you're cracking up, my whole theory open me. oh it's so based in science and belief <laughs> uh but it's really God just our appetites it. for uh our appetites for delights the real and, genocidal uh, maniac is yeah our, our need for speed <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah all of my uh all uh, of my bike cult people out there <laughs> well, also <laughs> me. Also, Indonesia has got a lot of rubber, doesn't it? And Indonesia was a Dutch colony. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, the Dutch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the Dutch were low key uh, genocidal everywhere. They just don't have a bad rep in North America because they had to compete with the French in Haiti, the Spanish in the Caribbean in Mexico, and all of Latin America, yeah. uh, the the Portuguese in Brazil. And the British um, up the here British. in North America. The British. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Power just shifts like that. And it's only been since the 1940s that the United States has really been the, the dominating uh, force in it. But we forget. It's just like, yeah, dude, Portugal, they were the shit <laughs> back in the day. Back dude, in the day, they had man. their fingers in all the pies. And Brazil was so bumping that the royalty from Portugal at one point just decided to, to move their... Uh, to move their residents to Brazil. Oh, that's cool. God. Yeah. When, <laughs> you're, when your summer house is better than your winter house, and you're like, I mm -hmm. guess I'll just make this my permanent. It's like, it's like Trump moving to Mar-a-Lago. 
Mm-hmm. It is. You know? Yes. He's yes. like, well, I guess yes. this is now the White House. Is now Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, ugh, God. Don't worry, David. Don't worry. I'll, 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 I'll take special care to look into how evil the Dutch were. Remember, they had the East Indian Trading, trading Company. Right, so right, they, right. They, they, inv- they invented that shit. So uh, they, are no, uh, they are no saints. But right. h- how does forfeit, affi- uh, for, uh, what is it? Sorry. It's civil uh, asset, asset, asset forfeiture. <laughs> yeah, civil asset forfeiture. How does that, you know, play out today? Like, I watch all these cop shows, and, when it, and you know, I'll watch it. There'll be a cop, and he's driving around in a Ferrari. And everyone's like, "Whoa, are you rich?" And he's like, "Oh, this is a, this is a asset. You know, we 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 took it off a drug dealer. I'm just using it to be undercover. So like, police departments yeah, it, steal people's cool property and then use it. Yeah, it's literally it's. I mean, you it it's sort of an exaggeration, but literally that it's <laughs> that's what. <laughs> A big way as asset forfeiture works now. I mean, in the way they describe it in the book, it's that uh, you know police agencies seize assets generated in the course of criminal activity, which can be anything from uh, drugs to just straight up cash, uh, cars. Uh, they could take houses, uh, con- any kind of contraband, uh, playstations, drones, yeah, 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 yeah. anything off of Mall. <laughs> yeah a, a wine tree yeah <laughs> and, a little elf and that the also real wine. <laughs> and, and it, it it's like you could make the argument well it's just like well come on that's a, that person is doing something evil so they deserve to have their stuff taken and then you consider this sentence which says uh police also seize and acquire via property, via policing, confiscated money and seized property is almost always used to expand police or to hire more cops. So somebody had, if there was a fucking drug kingpin that has a Ferrari, you know, the Ferrari doesn't go back to the state. We all don't don't get one day with the Ferrari to drive it around Manhattan. The, The police just take it and they either auction it off or if you're the LAPD, they keep it and they put police badge shit on it. And I mean, it's literally like the equivalent of being an, a real time RPG where it's like if you instead of like in a video game when you like punch somebody and they drop like a potion and like some coins. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what the that's what the police do, you know. And uh, yeah. and uh, I think we, we constantly talk on the show about how uh, the incentives uh based on certain policies we incentivize graft and corruption um and mm-hmm. w- the incentive now is for cops to uh shake people down and and look for and look for targets that have soft targets that have a lot of property or money the incentive is like yeah. well let's go after this guy and try to find the crime because then we can get all of this stuff to put in our piggy bank yeah and like i'm talking more specifically in like or like the, the references that we're kind of generally using are a little bit more extravagant like a big drug dealer or like a crime boss or whatever but the examples of things that are much smaller stuff that doesn't get on the radar on news and stuff is equally as uh applicable in this way because if you're a person 
who, you know, maybe maybe you have like, you know, uh, one or two tickets on your your driver's license and you're driving a little too fast and cop pulls you over for going 80 in a 60. And for whatever reason, you just have money in your glove compartment. Why do you have money? So you just have Danny, why do you have money? Why do mm-hmm. you, why do you got that money there? Why do you why do you got that money there? Why do you mm-hmm. have twenty one dollar bills in your glove compartment, Danny? Yeah, yeah, dude. It's like like I maybe I maybe maybe I'm trying to make it rain at a strip club. You know, like it's very possible. Okay, but you could you could be like you could be trying to go. You could be like I'm going to my favorite uh, strip joint to make it rain, mm-hmm. and I have a thousand dollars in one dollar bills. You get pulled over, the car could get impounded, and then that thousand bucks. You better hope that they just don't look in there or that you don't get sent to jail on bail for any kind of like driving charges. Because if they find that thousand bucks, that's not your thousand bucks anymore. <laughs> they just take it. You'd think that someone would have filed like a, you know, Fifth Amendment charge against this, you know, the uh, the eminent domain one. I mean, eminent domain is usually about real property like land. Um, not chat, yeah. not chattel property, which is movable physical objects, um, which I assume is what is mostly. I assume you're. I assume the cops aren't like stealing your house, and like like taking over your home, like your farm. In a, I mean, maybe they're actually. I don't know. Like I, I, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do if it's on a large enough scale. Yes. What? <laughs> so they're like they're like literally like the cops are seizing someone's farm. Or like someone's like I mean, suburban property or urban property. Yeah, because if I you mean, can, they, if you can uh, attribute it all to a criminal enterprise, it doesn't matter if you had legitimate streams of income. All of it falls under yeah. uh, that you were a drug lord. Yeah, I mean, and and, and granted, it, it gets into a weird little gray zone there. Where, you know, we're just sort of like, wait, does this person deserve this large proportion of property? And it's just like, maybe no. Maybe no, they don't, but I don't think the cop should be in charge of it and should get the money from auctioning it off. I mean, we've all heard of police auctions. I mean, like, where do you think the money goes for police auctions? And I'm willing to be wrong in this if it does, in fact, go to the state. But if I, I would be amazed if uh, a portion of that did not go straight back to the cops. But how much are police looking at other... Uh, things that are happening out there, how much of the police institutional resources go towards, let's say, solving uh, rapes or uh, looking at rape kits or going after um, any other crimes, I guess, that police are supposedly are supposed to solve or stop Mm -hmm. when really the low-hanging fruit and, and the thing that is going to make them the most profit is going after people to extract wealth from them. Very much so. Very much so. It's ex- it's extremely capitalistic in that they're trying to squeeze as much worth out of one single resource. So I just saw this case um, that was in the Supreme Court. So last year, actually, the Supreme Court limited or put some limits on the abilities of states and localities to do civil asset forfeiture. There's this case of this guy named Tyson Timms who pleaded guilty to selling $225 of heroin in Indiana, sentenced to one year of house arrest and five years of probation, and had to pay $1,200 in fees and fines. But also, state officials seized Mr. Tim's $42,000 Land Rover, 
which he had bought with the proceeds of his father's huh. life insurance policy. They said that he had used it to commit crimes. <laughs> oh, okay. This is like, okay, this is some fucking like cheat on your taxes bullshit going on here yeah. where you're like, oh yeah, I, I bought these shoes specifically to walk to do comedy in. Ergo, it's a comedy expense. <laughs> like, <laughs> shut, the, shut the fuck up. All right, I'm willing to concede that some... Range Rover probably pushed a little bit of age, but give me a fucking break. That's stupid as shit. Right, right. So actually, the Supreme Court in a 9-0 to zero decision said that um, basically it bars excessive fines uh, under the Eighth Amendment, so under that argument, they said that they the civil asset forfeiture was too much, and they had to give the car back. Nice, dude. Do you know how fucked up you have to be to convince Clarence Thomas to not be evil? Like that's crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think I think we've done a really good job of of sort of highlighting how uh, perverse. The and and what a, a funhouse mirror distortion of justice, the civil asset forfeiture concept, you know what what that does to like justice in this country. What about it's fucked up? What about uh the is it the ten thirty three program? Well, I know the ten thirty three pro uh pro program which Elsa actually uh enlightened us to a couple weeks ago. It basically allows the military to sell surplus directly to the cops. Um, but uh, what that translates into is it's not like they're just like, oh, boy, we get more we get more flashlights or whatever. <laughs> oh, oh, yay. We, we get to eat. Uh, we get some uh, uh, military grade rations we can eat. In our cruisers Ooh, while yum. we're on stakeouts? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny if they were like, yeah. we, get, uh, like <laughs> we get like really like colloquial uh, British police helmets and batons. Th these were used in the Iraq War. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, What it really translates into is uh, the police getting basically military-grade weaponry and uh, like their cho the, the choice... Um, picks amongst basically like weapons of destruction and weapons of war uh one thing actually i wanted to bring up specifically to this uh which is a little bit related to the 1033 program um but it can also just is just related to police having sort of a panopticon hey. over everything is uh is uh police helicopters uh this is really um very very interesting according to the bureau of statistics Justice statistics: More than 200 police departments in the United States engage in aerial law enforcement. Sick, and the sky LA wolves, Sick. dude. Dude, that's kind of like what they call them. It's like it's crazy. Like they, hey, <laughs> the, the, but the. I mean, the, you got to watch OJ's white the, Bronco getting off on the highway somehow. Dude, David, you're you you've already got it. It's the LAPD. The LAPD has the most helicopters yeah. out of all of uh, all others. Uh, they have. 19 helicopters hell yeah oh pigs God. and whirly uh, gigs <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah it's the it's the la county sheriff's aero bureau and the skies above la i mean it, it's very much a part of like crime dramas where it's just like they'll always they'll always be a helicopter in the distance or directly above whenever there's a crime show set in los mm -hmm. angeles it's oh, yeah. basically uh 
And this basically came about in 66, way even before the 1033 progr- pro- program in, in Lakewood, California, uh, as something called Project Sky Night. Okay, uh, great. And that's great. That's K N I G H T. And it basically proposed that, like, yeah, no, no, I know. It's so, <laughs> it's so good because they took it from, like, the Knights of England Ooh. where they vow to protect the weak where they protect the weak uh basically um it 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 sort of serves as like a uh a monitoring program so that even if a cop helicopter isn't close to you the sort of psychological wear and tear of one being relatively close by is always kind of glaring down on you uh you know uh another thing they actually reference in this book is the 1990s movie Boys in the Hood, oh my God. which is a great movie. If 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 you if you've never never watched it before, I I would recommend just just stop the podcast right now and watch Boys in the Hood. Love the movie. Um, Doughboy played by Ice Cube, very good. Yes, very good. All right, well, this has been Ponzi Scream. I have to go watch this movie. You guys have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, man. Yeah. Uh, Danny, all of and if if you watch any of those '90s South Central like gang movies. Um, they always have one scene with a helicopter flying overhead. This is quoted. It says, air power serves the same purpose, whether in Kosovo, Iraq, or South Central Los Angeles, whether we're talking about a military no-fly zone in Iraq after the first Gulf War or no-fly zone above Ferguson, Missouri, after the police killing of Michael Brown. It is the ever-present threat of punishment, military bombs falling on Iraqi villages or police searchlights landing on Compton streets, a U.S. military drone killing a dozen people in a wedding party in Yemen, or Philadelphia police dropping bombs from helicopters on Black Move activists in 1985, killing 11 people, including five children. Whoop, whoop, that's the sound of the police. Whoop, whoop, that's the sound of the beast. This is a really great book. I really can't, (laughs) I can't recommend it enough. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I, I always like to bring it back to the graft, David. And like we've already, you know, the graft is that we didn't need these military programs to fight wars abroad anyway, uh, most of the time. And then after this, after the hardware is not used abroad, then they just recycle it. And we start using these tools of oppression for our empire on our own people. Yeah. What I think, what I think Mm -hmm. is cool is just, um, just how much, uh, fascism has just been about a discretionary budget like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah just like the implementation like, of just a horrible regime is just basically like all comes down to like the fact that we just have like really really banal and like milk toast budget battles and no one really questions anything it's like oh well that is actually the thing that's that, that's allowing for carpet bombing to happen or whatever just uh, well yeah, sure it, it's like we've got these non-playable characters that are the cops, and then we have a loot crate uh, for them, and and then <laughs> we're like, well, let's just soup up these avatars with like body armor and like whatever bigger guns, because we've got the money to do mm-hmm. it. Sick. Yeah, it's 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 very much a situation that you know we we've been talking about like police powers in this episode so far, and the reason, at least in my view, is is that for the first time in a long time budgets for 
police departments across the United States are being questioned. And it's only when you look at this critically that you realize that, A, uh, what? We've been doing this for so long? This is what? They, they have how many billions or how many millions of dollars to work from? And then, B, how much they fucking show their ass the second you try to take any little bit away from them. They just pout. It's just like, no, I need all six billion dollars so i could constantly monitor black people and it was really quite telling that once you actually have the facts and then watch the responses that anything short of taking away large swaths of the police's money is vastly unfair to the rest of the public you know right i mean i think that i mean it's all like you know going back to like the military industrial complex and warning about that in you know Eisenhower's farewell speech, and I mean, really, he was uh, he was talking about like a really specific thing, which was the inflated budgets of local police departments to be able to have the technology to in a chase scene in a, a hallway with a lot of doors with the Benny Hill soundtrack is playing, they can go in and out of different doors without going in a room. I mean, that is sophisticated technology, and Eisenhower warned us about that. <laughs> what I found interesting is, like, we've defunded schools, right? And yes. in the way where school budgets shrink, um, in the police have somehow, with their expanded budgets, been able to insert themselves into these schools uh, by having police school partnerships. So yeah. in New York City, for example— yeah. There are 5,000 yeah. police officers who are in the schools every day. And yeah. they, and some of them are Jesus. taking on the role of being the guidance counselors or as well as being the paramilitary units that, you know, police the whole building. But they're taking right, on I, these so roles. So why do you that have are... all this anxiety? Tell me about this anxiety. Where is it stemming from? <laughs> no, I will not put my gun away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they're also being trained on the weekends. Their professional developments are ex-military guys who have uh, budgets as consultants to give uh, trainings to the police. And these ex-military guys then tell the police, all right, you're a warrior. I know you're in schools, but remember that at any moment, there could be another school shooter in this building. Your school, your site could be the next Columbine, and you are going to have to treat this elementary school and all the little second graders in it as enemy combatants in a war zone. <laughs> You're going to have to kill the village to save the village. Yeah. It's, and then <laughs> combine that, combine that with the fact that like, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. I've said it on multiple episodes of the podcast before. Most of the police are very bad. Being <laughs> the police. These are not expert marksmen. These are not actual warriors. They like much like most of most of the NYPD, they are lazy dipshits who could not be bothered to fill out a single form. And yet you're entrusting this like the safety of your of like children, middle schoolers, and or whatever to some guy who is truly half of the time either fucking crazy and aggressive or just in it for the pension i like the idea like what, let's i like the idea of like there's this one like lead detective who's like writing out like an anagram you know and he's like writing out like why why did 
this hamburger give me diarrhea. And he's <laughs> like, and, and he sees that it's Shake Shack, and he's like, wait, is the Shake Shack my colon? <laughs> is that what that stands for? Shake Shack is my, is my diarrhea? Is that what it'll do? My body is a shack? And that's how smart, I mean, they're smart. It's, it's important, Andy. Yeah, they uh they truly they never they never cease to they never cease to amaze me uh when it comes to that shit. I I, I like that they're poisoned. Yeah. Yeah, so cops cops in schools and and part of they were able to fill this vacuum, this demand uh for to to provide what social workers should be providing or right. some other security force. And when we look at there's 5,000 of them in New York schools, there's also only 200 uh, or 2,500 uh, therapists and support staff in schools for Jesus. over a million students in New York City. And of those million students, yeah. 100,000 of them are currently homeless. Whoa. Yeah. It's, the, it's, <laughs> a, it's a matter of the reallocation of resources in even just a small way. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned how the 2017 to 2008 uh, police misconduct uh, budget, essentially, or the amount that the NYPD paid out between 2017 and 2018 was about $300 million, just a little bit less than that. They're, uh, they're violate your civil rights petty cash drawer. Yeah, it's, it's $300 million, which on its own is a fucking huge number. But then in the, the side picture... It's a bar graph of all the other, you know, services that get provided in New York City. And you got the cops, you know, you've got like, you know, um, social work stuff, parks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just so funny to see, A, the cop budget being way higher than like every other bar, Candles. you know, even than, even more than sanitation, which has like a big budget as well. But then, rightfully, it's funny to ha yeah, yeah, yes, yes, they truck, dude. They need, they need, pay them. But like, but then to have that three hundred million dollars be in the corner and see that it is actually higher than some of the budgets of other New York City programs. Just the amount that the NYPD pays out in various lawsuits covers a social program that we all desperately need more of <laughs> that we could really use the money on i love that uh what how much is it 300 million 300 million in their and in their my bad fund yeah for for the for the fiduciary for the fiduciary year of 2017 2018 it was 300 million in various years it kind of fluxes it could be like anywhere as low as like 60 million anywhere as high as 30 300 million watch the year of 2020 to 2021 or 2019 to 2020 because that year aka year all the protest year like all, everything that's happened in the last month that's going to be a fucking ginormous number we are going to see huge spikes in just the amount of police brutality charges and uh misconduct charges you know all because they they killed George Floyd and people were pissed about it and then they crack skulls. Yeah. I think uh I think it's important for everybody to read Alex Vitale's um Vitale's uh, End of Policing uh along with the book that you brought up Danny because 
it really goes through uh, all of the ways that we waste our money and resources on police as they now exist. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, if we got rid of the war on drugs, and the, it's called Police a Field Guide by Verso Police Books. A Field Guide. Yeah. Um, you know, right now it's like we, wa- we waste our money on these policies, the war on drugs, uh, the war on sex workers. Both of those are places for yes. graft and corruption and for, you know, police to just create fear um, in all of us. We're all exploited by the fact that they have, um, that, that they are in charge of regulating our sex practices and regulating what chemicals we put in our bodies. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's, af- everybody's afraid of make work jobs, but what if you're <laughs> the biggest, m- what if the, what if the biggest make work job in every single city was one that like every once in a while, uh, <laughs> Somebody fucking died <laughs> because it was incredibly violent. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. This who, big workshop is just gonna harass you for going seven miles over the speed limit and maybe kill you. Right, yeah. <laughs> dude. Fuck that. I got the best make work job that's happened this summer. That's right, your boy. He's gonna be a census enumerator. Oh hell in the yeah! Month of August. I'm gonna be walking around. I'm gonna be saying. How old are you? How many kids do you have? Are you are you a fucking illegal immigrant? No, I this will not be asking that question. This sounds like stuff that Danny asks people at bars, anyways. So this is this is a this is yeah. Some, you've been doing this for a long time. Are you Hispanic or non-white? Tell me right now. <laughs> I'm getting paid twenty eight dollars an hour to do this. Yeah, I've already checked Hispanic on this box, but now tell me what. Because <laughs> once this you is, do that, there's another. It branches out into like all of the other subsections, and you're like, ah, this is yeah. Danny Feltz's crowd work at his stand-up. <laughs> dude, it's, <laughs> dude, it's it's gonna be great. I'm gonna be like, what? You got a fucking flag with one star in it? Hispanic? Like, just, <laughs> I want to just add. I want to add to the census. Are you are you guys fucking? Are you guys fucking? Who's yeah. fucking here? So you guys, who's uh, drinking tonight? Who's, who's drinking tonight? <laughs> Uh, I know, I know you're just supposed to check a box, but it's really a question. The question is, uh, so what's your guys' situation? <laughs> uh, seriously though, pray for me. Uh, it'll be, it'll be very fun. I gave my fingerprints today. I really hope, uh, that doesn't, is look, I don't have any warrants. I'm like a very clean guy, but I still, it's, it's very nerve wracking giving my fingerprints. Is the pay so. going to be good? Is it okay? It's 28 bucks an hour. What? It's tight. <laughs> yeah damn which is how much dude that's how much the nypd starts you at is 28 dollars an hour oh can you imagine god. that oh my god i'm the police <laughs> i'm the real i'm the actual police <laughs> these fucking losers walking around with a gun and handcuffs and meanwhile i get a lovely badge <laughs> to show that i am not a scammer because apparently that is a real issue i really people are getting scammed Danny, i want you to go up to a cop one day and just say it like that in that tone i'm the police i'm the police <laughs> you're not the police yeah like, you can s my d <laughs> uh, yes that's cool that's cool um should we all yeah. become census workers i could i would love that sounds no it's only for me david uh oh i'm sure you could if I had Anyways. a an N95 mask, I'd love to just walk around looking like Bane, knocking on doors with my face protected. 
asking people to give me so their information. <laughs> so it says here you were. It says you were. You were born in the darkness. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. How yeah, yeah, long have you been living cool. in Gotham? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think we got it. I think this is something that uh, is going to be an evolving conversation for us over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, protests are still happening. Things have died down a little bit, but people, police continue to kill black people. It's happened in Atlanta, and it's you know happening various other and places. We need, to keep uh, going, we'll have, we need to keep going for like two reasons that I can think of. Is one, we're actually making progress, and it's working. Mm-hmm. And two, as soon yeah. as we let our guard down, they're just going to start like, I mean, they've already started lynching people, but like all the Ferguson activists, yes. like some of the lead Ferguson activists got killed like in the years right after the Ferguson uh, uprising stuff happened. And um, we have to keep going because we, it, this is a physical show of force. And we, we also yep. can't let politicians who are in the pockets of police unions uh, off the hook. And, you know, even in the Democratic Party, we have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, politicians that have tough on crime rhetoric uh, or our former prosecutors, uh, Kamala Harris and uh, Joe yeah, yeah. Biden. Kamala Harris! And, we have Amy to, Klobuchar. and Amy Klobuchar. And so we have to keep um, keep people focused on this and hold them accountable mm-hmm. and make sure that they, even if they aren't still in power, change their ways. You guys want to hear a piece of information yes. um, that I have I have no idea what to do with, um, and y- you guys won't know what to do with it either. Joe Biden's first job out of law school was as a public defender. What? What? He was a public defender before he, before he ran for Senate. Wow. The, was he really bad at it? <laughs> 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 he's like no 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 no. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Isn't that uh, so random? I don't know. Like, I don't know how to dude. circle that square. He's like, look, uh, yeah. look, Jack. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's where he got <laughs> that phrase. Here's the deal. You're gonna take the plea. Yeah. You're gonna take the plea. All right, we're gonna plea you down. Uh, my 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 numbers were great. I would get I would get uh 15 plea deals an hour. You know. <laughs> he's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Now listen, popcorn. You're going to take the death penalty. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to do the death penalty because it's uh, a short death now is better than a life in prison. So just get it over with. Let's go. All right, Jack. I just, I just, I just, I just went through a stop sign. <laughs> All right, he's taking, he's taking thirty years, Jack. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we can come to a compromise. We can come to a compromise. I'm not even in. I'm not even supposed to be in court. I'm literally the bailiff. <laughs> all right, this guy's. He's showing a little bit of force. Better throw the damn book at him. All right. Uh, all right. Well, I think. I think. I think we've done what we can here. We'll be back. Uh, we'll get yep. into this more. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Danny. I'm Gabe. I'm David. Good night. Good night. Ciao. Thank. Thank you so much. Buenas noches. <laughs>